You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we jump into today's episode, I just have to ask you an honest question. How are you feeling about motherhood right now? Are you feeling burned out or that motherhood isn't quite living up to what you imagined it would be? I want you to know that I have been there. After years of infertility, I thought that if anyone was going to love motherhood, it would be me. I dreamed of creating all sorts of magical moments with my miracle kids and being the happiest stay-at-home mom ever. And then I actually had kids, and it was more challenging than I ever could have imagined, and I felt guilty about not loving it, which was a vicious cycle that sometimes sent me into a spiral of self-doubt and depression. If you've ever felt this way, I want to make sure that you know that I have a free week-long email course to help you find your magic in motherhood. After you sign up, you'll receive daily lessons and worksheets that should take you no longer than five to 10 minutes, and I can attest that taking a few minutes to reflect and journal about your motherhood will help pull you out of the funk you're in. I love offering my podcast as a free resource each week, but sometimes we need to put in a bit of extra time and care when we are feeling burned out or unfulfilled, and I know this course will help you rekindle your love for motherhood. To sign up for this free email course, go to 3in30podcast.com slash learn, which is linked in the show notes. That's 3in30podcast.com slash L-E-A-R-N. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. We've talked often on this podcast about the weight of the mental load that moms carry, worrying about our kids' academic needs, social needs, and physical needs, managing the logistics of chores and housework and doctor's appointments and meals and after-school activities, all on top of our own work and responsibilities. It's a load that can feel crushing. But what if we could let some of that go simply by stepping back, stepping back from caring it all and allowing our children to take more ownership and responsibility for their lives, their choices, their needs, and their mistakes? I know this is so much easier said than done, and the process needs to be scaffolded for our children, depending on their age and their capability. But if we start to look at everything we're doing for our kids from the angle of, my goal is to slowly step back from this so my child can fully step up to it, we will feel so much lighter as moms. And when we feel lighter, we are happier. And as our guest today, Joanne Crone, often says, the best mom is a happy mom. Joanne is a former elementary school teacher and founder of the organization No Guilt Mom. She helps moms manage the mental load and love being moms again by providing positive parenting courses and coaching for them, as well as courses made specifically for their kids. Joanne is passionate about helping moms understand that you don't have to do everything for your family in order to show your love for them. You need to strengthen your relationship with them, and that is often much easier to do when you're not so bogged down by the resentments that can come along with managing everyone in the family. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with her, so let's get into it. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to 3 and 30. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat about this. I am too. I am a mom that has been feeling the need to let go a little bit and step back from all the moving parts of family life. And we're going to talk about how to do that in this episode because moms carry so much mental load. And if we can give some of that back to our kids, it can be incredibly beneficial. So how did you become passionate about this to begin with? 
So I remember growing up and I watched my mom do everything, like everything. She worked a full-time job and then she came home and she was responsible for dinner and she was responsible for making sure me and my sister had things going on and even to some extent responsible for my dad. And I just remember seeing that and I remember encouraging her to like do stuff for herself. Uh, there's one in particular where she came home and she's like, I never have time to work out. I'm like, well, why don't you just do it after you get done with work? You have a gym right there, which I'm sure my mom really appreciated me giving all this unsolicited advice on how to use <laughs> the gym. But uh, when I got older, when I married my husband, I was afraid to have kids because mm. I saw that example of growing up and I felt like I would be losing this piece of me when kids came into my life and I'd have to devote all of my time and not have any time outside myself. So when I became a mom, I did feel that pressure. But after seeing my friends work through it, after seeing my friends struggle with it, I became really passionate about helping other moms define themselves, take time for themselves. And I believe that the best mom's a happy mom. So this isn't just a luxury us taking time for ourselves. It is essential. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it's so much easier sometimes to look at someone else's story, like looking at your mom's and being like, I would not do everything she's doing. I would let some of this go. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in your life doing what you said you would never do. Yeah. It's so easy sometimes to see the solutions as an outsider looking into someone's life. But when you're in your own, it's so much harder to actually execute and figure out how do I let go some of this load so that I can be more myself within my motherhood. And I really appreciate you're going to give us some concrete ideas of ways that we can step back in our motherhood. And I'm going to push you a little and and ask, okay, but what would this look like in my life? I'm going to give you some scenarios so you can hopefully coach me through it a little bit. I love yeah, but bring them on. <laughs> okay, good. So what is your first takeaway of how we can step back in our motherhood? So this one's a little bit of a scary one for people. So I'm glad we're jumping in and doing the scary one first because it's stepping back to let kids make their own mistakes. Because you're right, we see all the things that need to be done in our house. Like we see if our kids forget their homework worksheet on the kitchen table, or we see like that load of laundry that they haven't put in the washer yet, and they're going to need clean clothes tomorrow. And we want to remind and we want to tell them to do it. And that is really, really great short term. But what that doesn't do is it doesn't ever remove the mental load from us mm -hmm. because we can only keep so many things in our head at a time and not letting them fail means they never get the consequence. So they never have reason to remember to do the thing that we are constantly reminding them to do. Yeah. Do you have any specific examples of what this might look like in home life or in your own life as a mom of things that are hard to let go of, but that you've decided to let go of or step back from? Yes. So my kids and their clothing and their personal appearance. And I know this is really, really hard for a lot of moms because we feel like people judge us based on how our kids present themselves, like clean clothes, brushed hair, that sort of thing. One of the first jobs we gave to our kids is to have them do their own laundry. And they need to remember to do their own laundry. My son is not the best at this. My 14-year-old daughter, she's on it. She is very concerned about how she puts herself together. But my son, not so much. 
So I saw this basket of dirty laundry in his room and like I would just remind him all the time, hey, dude, you need to get your laundry done. Hey, like put that in the washer. And every time I did it, I could feel just resentment building in me because this was his responsibility. He knew it was his responsibility. And yet he relied on me to get him going and get him moving all the time. And so I went up to him and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to stop reminding about laundry. I'm going to give this job just to you. I know you can take it on. I know you can handle it. And I don't want to nag you. And so he's like, okay, I don't like you nagging me, mom. And he just tells me like straight out. So Sunday night comes. I see the basket of laundry in his room and I just keep my mouth shut. I'm like, oh my gosh, tomorrow morning he is going to be freaking out, looking for socks, looking for clean clothes. And the next morning, that's exactly what happened. But instead of me being like, hey, I told you so, I'm like, yeah, it really frustrates me when I can't find things either or I don't have clean clothes to wear. That's a really hard situation. And after about five minutes, he got through it. He got through it. He took the least dirty shirt out of his laundry, put it on. And then that afternoon, he's like, mom, can you help me put my wash in the dryer? And I'm like, definitely. Let's go do it right now. I can help you with that. Yeah. So it became him asking you for help instead of you reminding, reminding, nagging, nagging, prompting. Exactly. Yeah. So if there's a mom listening and they're thinking, but I have a kid that really struggles with hygiene and they wouldn't care and they would just wear dirty clothes mm-hmm. and they would smell like yes. what, what do you say to that mom? So that in essence is my son as well. So what we've done is we have a list for him for his chores because we also know that he gets distracted and he really doesn't want to deal with hygiene either. So his list is on the refrigerator. He wrote it himself, and it has things like put away backpack, brush teeth, take a shower, and he has screen time that he loves. So I would say to that mom, find something they love and then tie it to something that they need to do. My son comes and asks for more screen time to play Roblox, and I'm like, hey, how's that list going? And he'll be like, oh. But then he'll go and he'll look at the list And he'll do the things that he has to do. And when I see they're done, I'm like, totally cool. Now you can have more screen time. So tying it to something that they want, using a when then. When the list is done, then you can have more screen time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like one area where I'm struggling as a mom to step back and let them make their mistakes is with homework. And I know you have written a book called Drama Free Homework, and you're a former teacher. You have a master's in education. I have a master's in education. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you get you get this. My son transitioned to middle school this year and he went to an elementary school that didn't give homework, which I so appreciated that I never had to fight with him throughout elementary school. It was glorious. But now he's in middle school and they do give homework. He has ADHD. He's extremely scattered. And I have found that this transition has been really difficult for him. And I've struggled to know how much do I need to scaffold? How much do I need to support him learning how to do this? Or do I just completely let it go and let him figure it out and let him make his mistakes and get the bad grades? It feels like such a hard line to walk as a mom, especially when you have a kid that you know has legitimate executive functioning deficits and they Mm -hmm. may not know how to manage their life without you stepping in to help them. But as I try to scaffold for him, it turns into my problem. 
Uh And he's like, why didn't you remind me? And I'm fighting with him every night to sit down and do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do this child's homework for the rest of his life, essentially. Yes. What would your advice be for me? So in terms of that, going from elementary school to middle school is such a hard transition because there are so many organizational skills that kids need to learn and need to know. So my first question would be, does he have a planning system that he uses? And does he know how to write down his assignments and check them off? And does he have a motivational system in place for himself? Like my whole family struggles with ADHD, my husband and my sister. So I kind of grew up with it. And the best motivational strategy that I've seen work is using a timer during homework. And having him give himself a reward if he works for the amount of time on a timer. Mm, Yeah. So I think it's the parent's part to kind of teach those executive functioning skills, like the motivational timer, the planner. And once kids know that, it's kind of checking in to see how they're using it and going from there. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Prep Dish, and my friends, I am so excited to try out this meal planning service in 2023. Prep Dish helps you to simplify planning and prepping your meals. I mean, what mother doesn't need that? The genius idea behind this service is that you can spend one hour prepping your food at the beginning of the week and have five dinners ready to put together in record time on busy nights. It's basically batch prepping, doing all the meal prep work for the week up front to simplify your life and your decision-making for the rest of the week. In order to do this kind of batch prepping on your own, you'd have to find recipes that all shared common ingredients and figure out how much is needed for which meal and do a lot of mental work to coordinate and orchestrate it all. But Prep Dish removes all of that mental load from you by sending you a weekly grocery shopping list and meal plan, along with simple batch prepping instructions. All you have to do is grab their list and go to the store, or even better, place a grocery pickup order, and then spend an hour or two prepping all of the ingredients while listening to your favorite audiobook or podcast. And at the end of that time, dinner is planned and prepped for the rest of the week, and you feel like a rock star. Prep Dish founder Allison is a dietitian, a chef, and a mom of two little boys, so she gets the need to feed a family without spending hours in the kitchen every night. She's created lots of plans to choose from, including gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super-fast. Our family is obviously doing the super fast meal plan option this year. If you want to serve healthy homemade meals without the stress, Prep Dish is offering 3 and 30 listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com slash 3 and 30 for this amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish, P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H dot com slash 3 and 30 for your first two weeks free. This is a no-brainer. Let me know how you like it. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of counseling done 100% online. Because we can't sit together in my living room and catch up over a warm drink, consider this a mental health check-in. How are you doing? How are you managing in your life right now? Do you feel supported through it? I used to daydream about parenting being a little less complex as my children got older, and now I'm learning that this is anything but true. As our children grow, their challenges often do too, and therapy has been an invaluable tool to support me as I support my kids. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. They also offer counseling for teenagers, so whether it's you or your child or both that need support, 
BetterHelp can help. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 3 in 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 in 30. Then what's your second takeaway for something we can step back on? So this one is fun, though it's also kind of scary. I kind of wrote all these to push you a little. Step back and go on an adventure just for you, just as a person, just as a human being, because we devote so much time to our kids and our families and making sure they're happy that we never take that time to go away on something a little bit indulgent ourselves, like going overnight somewhere with friends or like I went to Italy on a cruise with just two of my friends. That's incredible. For 10 days. And that was like the first time I have ever done something like that. Like I've gone away for business, but I think when you go away for business, you could rationalize it a little bit more and be like, oh, this is work. But when you go away for fun, it is a different conversation you're having because you have to leave your littles. Like my plane left at 4 a.m. So I had to say goodnight to them be like, yeah, I'm not going to be here in the morning. Tears. Like, mommy, don't leave me. And you go through that, but then the next day when you leave and you're on that plane with your friends and you're going to Europe and this fantastic adventure, it all becomes worth it because you don't remember who you are when you don't have kids around. Mm -hmm. Do you ever experience that when you go off yourself and like two days into the trip, you're like, whoa, I forgot this part of myself because part of my brain has always been monitoring my family. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like that when I go away with just my husband mm -hmm. within the first 24 hours, I'm still kind of like stressed out mom. And then after that, I'm like, I'm fun again. I'm, yeah. Like, this is why he married me. I turn into like fun, carefree Rachel. And that's why I do think that we need these breaks sometimes to just get back to that more free part of ourselves, that fun part of ourselves, that lovable part of ourselves that the people in our lives deserve to have and we deserve to have access to. Yes, definitely. And like also these trips have so many other benefits as well. Like if you go out with friends, you get that really great relationship with your girlfriends, too, that mm -hmm. is totally different if you're with your partner in them or with your kids in them. And when you go away, you realize that things can go on without you. And I think that's a really important thing to realize because we can't step back if we think that everything is going to fall apart as soon as we're out, as soon as we're away. And I know a lot of people who I tell this to take a trip, they were like, oh, I have to get so much ready before I go. And they like leave day by day instructions for their partner. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do it. Have the schedule on the calendar like you normally keep a schedule, but just leave and let them take over and let them be like if you're the def the default parent, as Eve Rotsky says, mm -hmm. if you're the default parent, let them become the default parent and see how they run things. Yeah. I feel like I will leave a schedule of what's going to happen, but I've stopped trying to do as much like leaving all the meals for the week in the freezer or the fridge. It's like, come on, my partner can figure this out or take them to McDonald's. They'll be just fine, you know, yeah. versus like putting all of that load on myself. Of course, women don't want to go on vacation when they have to prep the entire week before they leave. 
So to just walk away and see what happens is scary, but also believing that it's going to be okay if you do that. It's freeing. And you learn some other things too. Like for instance, when I go away, I find my husband has like door dashed a lot during the week or taken my kids out to dinner. And it's funny because I put so much pressure on myself not to do those things. I'm like, oh my gosh, home cooked meals, have to save money, have to do all these things. And so then when I see him do it and I'm like, well, I'm just going to door dash something now. Yeah. It almost gives me like, not that I needed the permission, but it shows me that I don't need to be so strict or structured because they are just fine if I don't feed them a home cooked meal every night. And I do think that it's important if you do leave your children with your partner to not criticize and undermine and come back and be like, why did you order DoorDash that many times or why this or that? Just let them have their experience and enjoy your time and you have Mm -hmm. your experience away as well. Totally true. If there's someone listening and they're in a situation where they don't have a supportive partner or they don't have access to somebody that can easily watch their kids, they have a lot of kids or they have kids with special needs, what would you say to them of how they could still figure out a way to step back and go on an adventure just for themselves? I would say to first start working on building your support system because I think that everybody needs a support system, especially if they don't have a partner that is supportive of them. What friends can you call on? What neighbors are around? Who do you need in your corner so that you can trust to go away? Mm -hmm. But if you can't yet go away, just an hour or two during the day, instead of running errands or instead of trying to be productive, Go somewhere and just sit and do something that feels totally indulgent to you. Maybe it's like going to a movie theater by yourself in the middle of the day and watching something that you like instead of something that's kid appropriate for your kids. Mm-hmm. Or I love just uh, coffee shops in general and all like the pastries, like going and getting a really good pastry mm-hmm. and sitting there and just not sharing with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But doing those indulgent things if you can't get away long term and then building the support system. So you have in the distance, you have this idea of being able to go away for a longer amount of time. Yeah. And I think sometimes we decide that that's not possible for us without really exploring all of our options and sitting down and saying, okay, how could I make this work? Who could I possibly ask? Could I drive my children to my sister who lives four hours away? but then fly out of that airport, you know, or yeah, yeah, I don't have anybody right here in my town, but how can I figure this out so that I can get a little bit of a break or an adventure? And I just have to tell you a funny story. I recently went away for a few nights. And when I was leaving, my kids were saying, oh, we're going to miss you so much and putting on the, you know, the drama. And I hugged them and I said, I'm going to miss you too. But just think, when I come back, I'm going to be so rested. I'm going to be an even better mom which is saying something because I'm already an amazing mom. I love it. No, that's that's exactly the positive self-talk that should go through all of our heads. Well, and yeah. it's just like, they like both laugh. They're, you know, eight and 11. So they get that I'm kind of teasing and being sarcastic, but I'm also serious. They know I'm serious. Like, I don't need to feel bad about leaving. I'm an amazing mom. And when I come back, I'm going to be well rested and I'm going to be even more able to be there for you. But I didn't want to feed into this story of like, I'm a bad mom for going or I need to go because I'm I'm a failure as a mom and I need to regain all of my strength to become a good mom. I'm like, I'm already an amazing mom. 
and I'm going to be even better when I come back. And I want them to have those inner voices telling them, like, I'm good. When my kids are parents, someday I want them to have a default mode of, like, I'm a good parent. And I feel like it's hard for women to say, I'm a good mom. And I want to normalize that for more women. I think definitely I'm I'm with you on that normalization train. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That I am a good mom. Something yeah. I tell my kids when I go away is I'm like, I am going away because my friends are very important to me too. And I want you to have great relationships outside your family too. Mm-hmm. So I'm showing you that you can go away. You can step and have time with your friends and then you can come back and uh, be with your family as well. Yeah. And that's such a great message. And I'll tell them that when I go away with my husband and I'll say, I want you to have a marriage where you want to be with this person. They're your best friend. Yeah. And I want dad and I to get to go and have this time. And Or most of my solo trips, I feel like, are with my sisters. They're my two best friends. And I'll tell my kids, this is what I want you to have. I want you to have super close family relationships where you want to be with your siblings. And it is modeling that as we show them what it looks like as an adult to continue those relationships. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to get people to start doing it too. Like if someone listening right now is like, oh, I can't, it still feels indulgent to me. Just thinking about those things, about modeling the behavior that you want to normalize for your kids when they're adults. Yes, absolutely. And then what's your third takeaway for us? So now that we've kind of prepped it by letting kids make their own mistakes and stepping back and seeing what happens without us, it's time to release the household duties in our house and with chores. Because many of us weren't taught how to manage chores in our home. Like it wasn't something that was modeled. I mean, I saw my mom, she did everything, everything. And sometimes I had one job that I would do sometimes and I would do not sometimes, but there was nothing in place. And as parents now, I think that a lot of us go into our houses and we're like, oh my gosh, it needs to look neat. It needs to look clean. And we take on all the work ourselves as moms. So instead, we need to give our kids that responsibility too, so that they see ownership in their own house and that they feel that pride of being able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking at the long game. What do I want my kids to be able to leave the house with? What skills do I want them to be able to go to college with or move out? And so when I look at chores, I'm like, okay, well, what do we start with first? And the way to start chores isn't just by giving your kids all these chores, because that's going to fail. Like, They're going to be overwhelmed. There won't be an appropriate time to teach it. It's just going to be an exercise in frustration. Instead, do something called a family meeting where everybody sits around and we just list all the things that are done in the house, like dishes, vacuuming, floors. And then each family member goes around and picks some jobs to do. And kids need to start out like really simple if they've never done a chore before, I suggest one chore each, like one chore per kid. And then among the adults, you divvy up the rest of the chores. And with that one chore, you can keep kids accountable to it because they're always remembering, oh yeah, that's my chore. And you'll be able to teach it effectively because you're not trying to teach them six chores at a time. You're working on one, like the dishes, which take a lot to teach (laughs) appropriately. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have a personal story about the dishes in your home, right? Can oh you share my that gosh. With us? Yes. The dishes are like, it's good because 
it's kind of a source of conflict in our home, but it's a source of good conflict because with our dishwasher, my son is in charge of loading the dishwasher and my daughter is in charge of unloading the dishwasher. And with me and my husband, we have the deal, whoever cooks dinner, the other person is responsible for cleaning up after dinner. Mm -hmm. So we clearly know our roles. And I could be sitting there in the kitchen working and there's like a pile of dishes on the counter and it doesn't bother me because I'm like, well, that's my husband's job and that's my son's job. So I don't have to take care of it. Mm. With them and the dishwasher, they're holding each other accountable to the dishwasher because if my daughter doesn't unload the clean dishes in time, we start taking clean dishes out of the dishwasher. And then my son notices and he's like, this is not fair. She has to put away less dishes because she doesn't do it on time. And I still have to load all the dishes and I get this really big stack on the counter and then like I get stressed and overwhelmed. And so we get to have those discussions, which wouldn't happen if I was just going in and doing all the dishes and putting them away because now they're having experience in this conflict resolution and like making sure each other is like contributing equally, which never happens with siblings. Mm. But it's such a good thing in so many ways other than just taking the load off of you. It's teaching them so many life skills, conflict management, working with other people, all these things we want them to leave the house with when they move out. Yeah, absolutely. I have found my husband and I, we haven't gone all in on the fair play methodology, but we've experimented with aspects of it. And on the weeks when he has the dishes card, as she calls it, where basically I say the dishes are yours, period, like the end for this week or this day, you can decide how you want to delineate that. I have noticed that I don't feel stressed by the mess when I know it's not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. When we don't delineate it that clearly, and it's sort of all of our responsibility, then I do feel like it comes back on me and I'm bugged by it. And I see the mess and I'm bothered. And it's, is it like, do I need to do that right now? Do I not? Whereas when we've decided this is his job, I'm just like, oh, it's not my problem. And I can just walk away from it, which has been really interesting to watch how just that shift in who's clearly responsible for the task has lightened my mental load to just let it go completely. Yeah, it's amazing how just that little, little tiny thing can help so much. I agree with you. As soon as my husband and I clearly decided whose job was whose, I could step back and be like, nope, not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it makes it so that if I decide to step in and do it because I can see that he's had a really stressful day at work or something, I feel like I'm actually doing an act of service. I'm choosing it because I love him to take that on. Versus like resenting it and being like, nobody ever helps me around here. And it's just like a different mind. It's a little mindset shift. Yes, I totally agree. I have seen that happen in my house, too. So I'd say like the littlest thing, just make sure people know who's responsible for what chores in the Mm -hmm. house. And it's like mental load off your shoulders. Yep. And then step back and don't do it for them and let them make the mistakes and take the consequences. Going back to your first takeaway. Which can be very, very difficult, but so good in the long run. Yes. Well, Joanne, this has been wonderful to learn from you. And I know you have an exciting summit coming up that I want you to tell our listeners about and tell them a little bit about your podcast as well. Yes. So we have the Happy Mom Summit coming up. It is our second one. It starts February 27th, and it's a completely free ticket. 
but we have 33 speakers and it's all about how to help you manage emotions as a mom while positively parent. So helping you yell less, helping you take more time for yourself, and also helping you learn how to manage conflict between your kids and also how to communicate more effectively with them. Hmm. We have the best community in our summits, and it is always a good time. So you can get a ticket at happymomsummit.com, or I believe you have a link for them too, Rachel. Yep, I do. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. And then um, our No Guilt Mom podcast, uh, we release episodes every Tuesday. We're all about having that fun in motherhood while giving you those really actionable strategies to have a great relationship with your kids while also making sure that you are taking time for yourself because the best mom is a happy mom and you need to take care of you. Amen. I completely agree with that. Well, thank you, Joanne, so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It was really great to talk to you today. Thank you for having me on. This was fun. Thank you so much, Joanne, for that empowering and thought-provoking episode about ways that we can step back so our kids can step up. And here is a review of her three takeaways. First, step back to let kids make their own mistakes. As adults, we see mistakes coming before they happen. We notice when our kids leave their worksheet on the kitchen counter, and we know that they'll forget it in the morning. We see the pile of dirty laundry, and we know that they'll be searching for clean clothes 10 minutes before their outing with friends. Our first instinct is to remind our kids, or maybe even worse, just do it for them. But by doing this, we put the mental load on us, and they never experience the consequences of their actions, so they never fix their behavior, which means we're stuck in an endless cycle of reminding. Instead of always bailing our kids out, let's commit to sit down with our children and come up with a good system for them to remember what they need to, and then step back and let the mistakes happen and the learning take place as a result. Second, step back and go on an adventure just for you. Many moms devote so much to their kids that they give up those little pieces of themselves that make them feel interesting and joyful. That's why it's important every once in a while to leave your home and go do something that solely benefits you. Show your kids that your friendships and relationships outside of motherhood are still important to you, so they have this model to look to as they become adults. And don't forget that when you leave, you should really leave and allow whoever is caring for your kids to figure out how to feed them and manage them. You may just realize that the world doesn't fall apart without you, which will help you to step back more in the future. And third and finally, step back and release household chores. Have a family meeting where everyone helps create a list of chores to do in the house. Then give each family member a chance to claim what chores they do and make it clear that it is truly 100% their responsibility. You won't be stepping in and doing it for them. If you're thinking, yeah, right, my child will never follow through with that, consider attaching a win then. When their job is done, then they can have screen time or play with their friends or do whatever it is that motivates them. If they push back and act like you are the meanest mom in the world for having this expectation, disengage and refuse to fight with them about it. One of my favorite lines is, maybe you're right. And I'll just leave it at that when they say, you are the worst. Maybe you're right. Maybe I am terribly mean for expecting you to do your job before you can play, but the expectation remains. End of discussion. I just don't engage. Friends, I know that this isn't easy. (laughs) I am not good at two out of the three of these takeaways, but I am committed to getting better at it this year as I'm working very hard to build family systems and expectations that allow my kids to carry some of my load. 
And for the record, the takeaway that I am very good at is taking breaks and going on adventures just for me. And it's the best, and it really does help me to be a better mom, an even more amazing mom than I already am, right? (laughs) If these takeaways are a stretch for you, start small and step back little by little. I know you can do this. I'm rooting for you. And I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.